You're listening to Omega Man Radio. T minus 10, 9, 8, and the clock is operating. We're underway. The show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. tonight. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to a live program. We're going to have uh, all evening some great shows tonight. We're going to have Benjamin Brook here in just a moment, continuing our series called Searching the Scriptures with Benjamin Brook. It's a pleasure and honor to have him on every Saturday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then uh, following this show at 8, we're going to have Charlie Costello on for a program called Real Deliverance. So I hope that you're inviting friends out each and every week. Spread the word about Omega Man Radio. And, uh, again, we just uh, thank you for coming out each and every night. Uh, For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome aboard. We do a nightly program Monday through Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and then we'll have our occasional early bird show like we do on Saturdays today. So, again, welcome, everyone. And uh, if you're not involved in the chat room, it's free. Get involved. Sign up and uh, meet some friends. Well, let's get uh, Benjamin on the line tonight. Stand by. Hey, Benjamin, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good, Shannon. How are you? Praise the Lord, brother. Uh, Shall we get this program started with prayer? Would you like to to pray tonight? Sure, absolutely. Take it over. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And Father, we humble ourselves before you. Father, you alone are holy. And your word alone is the truth. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Show mercy unto your people. Remember mercy, Father. In this day, which is your day, Father, day of thy vengeance, the day of retribution, the day when you are going to address the controversy of Zion. I pray, Lord, in judgment you would remember mercy and 
your grace, pour forth your grace and your mercy unto your remnant, that there may come forth a people that would praise your name and declare your glory unto the ends of the earth and unto the end of the age. Father, we look to you and we lift up the name of Jesus. We pray that your will would be done in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. As it is in heaven, let it be in us, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. That your perfect will would be done, and that Jesus would be glorified. Give us this day, Father, living manna that comes from heaven. Lord, we look to you. We look to you alone, for there is no guide coming. We look to our Savior. We look to our, the great shepherd. We look to our great King. We look to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we bless you. We give you thanks. We give you thanksgiving and we give you praise, Lord, for your name is above every name. And you alone are worthy. For you alone have overcome the world. And you have overcome sin. And you have overcome the adversary, which is the great dragon of old, which is our enemy, Satan. You have overcome all. Lord, by your death on the cross and by the shedding of your blood, you brought righteousness and justice and mercy together for the salvation of your people and for the vindication of your word. Lord Jesus, we glorify you this day. Lord, we seek to hear from you. We ask you to be with us in this time, for we gather in your name, Lord Jesus. We seek to glorify you and you alone. Amen. Amen. Uh, Benjamin, Amen. Uh, a lot of people have asked for an update on uh, Reggie the Cat. How is he doing this week? Well, I thank everyone for their concern. Um, I Reggie came home from the vet and was not doing well at all. And I really sought the Lord and uh, prayed and discerned that he needed um, to go to a real hospital. And so searching matters out, uh, found a, a great hospital, one of the best veterinary hospitals in the country, and uh, took Reggie there uh, last Tuesday. And um, they operated the next day for five hours. And um, they operated again the next day for several more hours. Turns out he had three broken legs. He had cut ligaments. He had cut tendons. He had major um, wounds to the body. Uh, he was a mess. Uh, but they put him back together, and uh, he is on the road to recovery, and I'm thanking the Lord. And, uh, you know, Reggie has on his, on his face a perfect teardrop in the color of uh, his fur right underneath his eye. And he always had this tear ever since he was a little kitten. And I just have to wonder if it wasn't a sort of prophetic sign that, you know, Reggie would be called to bear in part some of the suffering of the cross. And, um, you know, some may object to that. And, you know, hold your peace, brethren, because I'll tell you, in the suffering of this little cat... My heart broke. And um, many people that I've talked to, you know, 
what Reguenter broke their hearts. And that's what God desires in this hour. The Lord wants to break our hearts. And the reason is because our hearts are hard. They've been hardened. It's, you know, it's how we've coped with this wicked age. It's how we've survived through this dark night. You know, we've been living in a dark, dark night. We dwell among an unclean people and we live in a wicked age. And there's been a whole lot of heartbreak. There's been a whole lot of suffering. There's been a whole lot of pain out there. It's touched every one of us. And and one of the ways we've learned to cope and we've learned to survive is by hardening our hearts. And For a time and for a season, it was actually a healthy thing because it got us through. But now the Lord desires to do a new thing. And now God wants to bring deliverance and healing and, and he wants to bring his resurrection power and and uh, that hardness of heart, those calluses in the in the emotions, those hard places in our soul, now they're in the way. Now they've got to be broken open again. So, you know, the Lord does, He breaks our hearts in so many different ways in order to bring us healing. So, But thank you for asking, and, and everyone that's prayed, thank you for your prayers. We really appreciate it, because uh, He's an innocent little creature, you know, and you just... Amen. To tears when you see the innocent suffer. So it's a sign of the times, and that's what that's what I, I really thought we were supposed to talk about tonight. Is the sign, the signs of the times, Brother Shannon. Hallelujah. Amen. We can start we're starting to see some forming around us. You know, you wake up and you never know what's going to happen. You've got Egypt in uh, turmoil now in Libya. Um, what's next? Yeah, it's amazing how fast it's all moving now. I mean, we've we have really um, accelerated, and and you know we are about to transition yet again, and we're going to get into this in detail. And um, but first, I want to set a foundation from the scripture, and um, I want to go back to the beginning. And um, I want to bring forth some revelation. I want to bring some light forward. I want to shed some light on an area that's been covered in darkness for a long time, where the Lord intended there to be light, but our enemy has crept in and has hidden, hidden knowledge and hidden the revelation and hidden part of what the Lord intended for our instruction and for our protection. And that is the signs that we are supposed to be able to see. But in this hour, for the most part, we cannot see our signs. So let's go to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let there be lights. On the fourth day the Lord created the lights in the heavens, which are the stars. And the word for lights in the Hebrew is meorah, which is very close to menorah, which is the name of the candlestick that is with the seven lamps on top, which is the symbol of the light of God's revelation. 
the symbol of the Holy Spirit that we find in, in the temple worship, but the word is Ma'ora, and it means a luminous body, or a luminary, or a light, or a bright light. Let there be bright lights in the firmament of the heavens, in the sky, above the earth, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs. And the word in the Hebrew for signs is oath. And it means a signal, as a flag, or a beacon, or a monument, or an omen, evidence, a mark, a miracle, a token, or a sign. In the very beginning, on the fourth day of creation, the Lord created the stars in the heavens. And he created them for signs. And the ancients were experts in understanding and reading these signs. You know, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The heavens declare the message of salvation. The heavens declare, they testify to the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Lord put the story of the gospel in the stars, in the signs, in the sky. But we live in a generation where we no longer see our signs. We don't see any of the signs. In the, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 74 is a prophetic picture of the church in this hour. It's a picture of the congregation having been overrun by the enemy. Psalm 74, verse 1. Oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the rod of your inheritance, which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein you dwell. Lift up your feet under the perpetual desolations. The congregation of the Lord has become a desolation. And that word means destruction. It's mashua. It means ruin. The church is now ruined. Why? Even all that the enemy has done wickedly in the sanctuary. The enemy has come within the sanctuary and brought his wickedness. And we talked about that in a prior study where we looked at Zechariah 5, where we looked at the curse that came forth because of the lying, because of the stealing, and the coveting of the money, and the stealing. People that wanted to steal God's glory and build their own kingdom. People that wanted to steal the wealth of the kingdom for their own fleshly pleasures. And, and they became this counterfeit apostate church. They brought wickedness into the sanctuary. They brought wickedness into the synagogues, into the church. And... Verse 4, Psalm 74, verse 4, Thy enemies roar in the midst of the congregation. The enemy has the pulpit. The enemy has the prophetic microphone. The enemy has the airwaves. The enemy has most of the Christian broadcasting that's on television today. They are roaring in the midst of your congregations, O oh Lord. And they set up their ensigns for signs. They set up their prophets and their wicked ministers for the signs to God's people. 
And look at um, look at verse seven. They cast fire into the sanctuary. Yeah, this isn't holy fire either. This is an impure fire. This is a mixture. This is a fire that brought destruction, not cleanliness. And they defiled the people by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. And isn't that the sign of this false church? Everybody getting cast down. They call it being slain in the spirit. You know, the scripture says God's enemies fall on his on their backs. But God's friends fall on their faces before the Lord. His enemies fall backward. When they came to arrest Jesus and they asked him, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and the Lord said, I am he, declaring that he was, I am. It says that 400 Roman soldiers fell backwards on the ground. They were slain. But they're not that wasn't an anointing. That was God's power knocking down his enemies. And here, the enemy of our souls has come in, and they're casting down the dwelling place. What's the dwelling place today? The temple of the Lord, his people. What's Satan doing? Knocking them down. Knocking them down to the ground. And they said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. This is the conspiracy of the Illuminati. This is the conspiracy of the the satanic organizations. They have conspired together and said, let us destroy the saints of the Most High God. They've burned up the synagogues of God in the land. The true anointing has just been consumed. So many congregations have fallen into compromise, fallen into the counterfeit. You know, 30, 40 years ago, there was a vibrant move of the Holy Spirit within many charismatic congregations. That true anointing was present. And you go today, and what do you find? False prophets, false anointings, devils roaring from the pulpit, devils roaring and testifying of their false prophecies, teaching doctrines of demons. Yeah, Psalm 74. Look at verse 9. We see not our signs. People cannot even see the signs anymore. We see not our signs. That word for signs is oath. And it means a signal. As I mentioned, a flag, an omen, evidence, a token. It's the evidence of what's happening. But the people can no longer see the signs. And there is no more any prophet, neither is there any among us that knows how long. Because the people that know how long have long since left these congregations where the truth was cast to the ground. But in the congregations of the dead, in, the na- in these congregations that have been burned, where the enemies come in, the people are parched dried and they cannot see their signs but the signs are right above us they're right before your eyes let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 15 the Lord is speaking to Abraham and he brought him forth abroad and he said look now towards the heavens and tell the stars if you are able to number them count the stars, tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And the word for tell, Shannon, is 
safar, and it means to score, to record the number, to reckon, to recognize, to speak, to tell out loud, to write. The Lord is saying, look up at the heavens. And if you're able, tell me the number of the stars. Record it. And yet, we're not able. We can't number the stars. How many of us can look up at the night sky and get out of the city, get out of the neon sky of the beast, and get into the, the true light without any of the without any of the false light to interfere and go look up at the heavens. See if you could number the stars. Look into the Milky Way. It's impossible. And yet God not only has the stars numbered, Shannon, the Lord has given each one of them a name. That's right. The Lord named the stars. He let Adam name everything on the earth. If you remember back in Genesis, the Lord brought before Adam all the different creatures that he made, and he let Adam name them all. But the Lord named the stars. And he also named the constellations. It is the Lord that created all of this, and it's there for our signs. It is there as a sign. It is a prophetic declaration. I call it the post-it notes in the heaven where the Lord's putting notes down in communicating to the earth what heaven is doing. Now, one of the reasons we don't see our signs anymore is that Satan deceived the church. And Satan wanted to hide the revelation of God's light and the revelation of the truth that the Lord put in the signs in the heavens. Satan wanted to hide that from the church. He did not want the church to know the signs. And he did not want the church to know the time. So the enemy, in his typical fashion, created a counterfeit. Doesn't he counterfeit everything? Of course. That's all he's good for is counterfeiting. So he created a counterfeit system of signs. He calls it astrology. And it's all part of the occult, and it's all a big lie. And it's all a big deception, and it's absurd. But because of the counterfeit of astrology, most of the church will not look at the signs in the heavens. Because, well, that's astrology, Benjamin. Uh, No, no, it's not. The Lord created the stars to be signs. It's the Lord's signs. They're not Satan's signs. They belong to the Lord. The Lord created them. The Lord named them. And he put them there for a reason, and the reason is for our instruction. We're going to get into that tonight. The Lord numbered them, and he named them. Psalm 147, verse 4. He tells the numbers of the stars. The Lord alone knows the numbers of the stars, and he calls them all by their names. The word all is whole, and it means the whole, everyone, as many as there are, the whole, whatsoever, all of them. The Lord calls every star by their names. 
we don't even know the number of the stars, but the stars are in the trillions. The Lord has not only numbered them, he has named them. And they're there for a reason. In Amos chapter 5, verse 8, we read, Seek him, that is the Lord, who made the seven stars and Orion. Oh, the Lord made the constellation of Orion. He didn't just make the stars. He made the message of the constellations. He made the picture of Orion. Men did not think up Orion. The Lord thought of Orion and gave that knowledge to mankind. He made Orion, and he turns the shadow of death into the morning. He makes the dark, the day dark with night. He calls for the waters of the sea, and he pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. And the word for Orion in the Hebrew is Kisiel, and it means any notable constellation. Or it can mean specifically the constellation of Orion. The Lord made all of the constellations. He named all of the stars. They are not up there by happenstance. They're there for a reason, and the reason is for signs to communicate. How did the wise men know that the Messiah had come? They saw it in the stars. We were able to read the stars. And I know the scripture talks about the star of Bethlehem, but it's the star that was pointing. It was the picture in the stars that were declaring that the Messiah had come. The Messiah, the King, was about to come into the world. And I'll tell you, it was one awesome picture in the sky 2,000 years ago. One awesome picture. Job, chapter 9, verses uh, 6 through 9. Who shakes the earth out of its place? And the pillars thereof shall tremble. Who commands the sun, and it rises not. And he seals up the stars. Speaking of the Lord. Who alone spread out the heavens. Who spread the heavens? The Lord spread the heavens. And he tread upon the waves of the sea. Who made Octurus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. Again, evidence in Scripture, the Lord made the constellations, okay? Satan didn't make them. Satan is a liar and a thief. He's a counterfeiter. To study the stars is not astrology, okay? Now, I know some people may object, but, you know, hold your objections. The wise men studied the stars, and it declared the birth of the Messiah, and in here in these last days, the stars are once again declaring what the Lord is doing. Even though this generation no longer can see their signs, the Lord is revealing all things to his remnant. And he's bringing back the revelation of truth. And one of the things the Lord's restoring is an understanding of what the stars are declaring. And we're going to get into that. But I'm wanting to set the foundation to show you all this is scriptural. What I'm about to teach you is scriptural, and it's true. The Lord created the constellations of Octurus. 
which is the great bear, Orion in the Pleiades in the chambers of the south. Look at Psalm 8, verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, whose heaven? The Lord's heaven. Who owns the heaven? I don't. You, none of us do. You hope we're no not. man has ever been able to put a flag on the heavens. You know, this is the King of England has claimed this. No, the Lord alone owns the heavens. When I consider the Lord's heaven, the work of His fingers, the moon and the stars which He has ordained, and the word for ordained is kun, and it means to set up, to establish, to fix, to prepare, to appoint, to order perfectly to set a right, to establish, to stand. The Lord established these stars perfectly. Perfectly. Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, verse 3, let me just go there real quick, bear with me, saints. Matthew 16, verse 2, and Jesus answered and said unto them, When it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. If you remember back, I believe it was in um, the book of Luke, and it was in, uh, I think it was in Luke 2, when the wise men came to Jerusalem. It was Luke chapter 1, the very end of chapter 1. When the wise men came to Jerusalem and let the people know that the king had come, that the Messiah was coming forth, all of Jerusalem was troubled. You know, King Herod, it was news to him. Why did these wise men show up? What do you mean there's a sign in the heavens? What do you mean the Messiah, the King of Israel, is being born? It was news to Herod, and all of Jerusalem was troubled. They didn't even know. They were supposed to know. God put it in the heavens for a reason. He declared it unto them. And yet, they didn't know. They were, they were absolutely oblivious. And I'm not finding the, the scripture. Do you um, do you know what I'm talking about, Shannon? Maybe it's in, it mustn't be in Luke. Maybe it's in Mark. Um, are you familiar with that scripture, Shannon? Or is it in Matthew? I know the one in uh, Genesis that you mentioned, and also, you know, didn't did not God put the constellations in the sky as like giant post-it notes? Oh, absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. And. All of Jerusalem was troubled when they heard the report that the king had come. Why in the world would the people of God be troubled by the fact that the king had come? It makes no sense. But, you know, that they didn't... Yeah, it's in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Um... Here we go, yes. Matthew 2, verse 3, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Yeah. If you back up Matthew 2, um, verse 2, 
the wise men, you know, came saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen it in the stars in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod heard these things, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem was oblivious. They couldn't see the signs. Only three wise kings who weren't even living in Israel at the time could see the signs in the stars. Here we are again at the advent of the second coming. And once again, the message in the stars is oblivious. We are in Psalm 74. We no longer see our signs. I would venture to say that if you interview a thousand Christians and ask them, if you showed them the sign in the stars right now, and, and we're going to get into that. I'm going to tell you exactly what the sign in the stars is right now. I'd be willing to venture that if you asked a thousand Christians, what do these things mean? Not one would know. Well, so where are the wise men who can see the signs? But the Lord's bringing forth his truth, and he's about to declare his glory. But the Lord... Jesus himself rebuked the Pharisees, saying, you could not discern the signs of the times. You can tell the signs of the weather, the signs of the earth. Why can you not see the signs of the heavens? People had lost. They'd lost the knowledge. They'd stopped studying. You know, and just as an aside, the word for hypocrites in Matthew 16, verse 3, where the Lord says, oh, you hypocrites, it means an actor, an assumed character, a stage player, a pretender, one who uses pretense, pretending. Amen. <laughs> How many you times, know, you know, have you gone to church and, or you've been, you know, you've met people from a certain ministry and, oh, we love you, brother, we love you. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> you don't even know me. And, you, know, <laughs> you love me till I leave. <laughs> Then you slander me. What a generation this is, when the best of them is a thorn hedge. Well, I won't go down that road. You know, Benjamin, uh, I was looking up a verse over in Jeremiah 8, verse 7. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. Right, because they can't read the signs in the heavens anymore. Because they, it's been forgotten. You know, we knew, we the people, knew the meaning of these signs, but they got lost. They got lost, and, and instead they got replaced. You know, the knowledge of the Word of God was forgotten, and it was replaced with the knowledge of the Word of men. And that's this generation. We have the Word of men. We don't have the Word of God. Amen. And uh, I'll give you another one, Luke twenty-one twenty-five. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. That's right. And that word signs in that verse in Luke that you just wrote or quoted is semion in the Greek, and it means a, an indication, a token, a wonder, a sign. It's the evidence. This is what the Lord's talking about. There will be actual evidence in the stars and in the sun and in the moon of what is about to take place. And at the same time on the earth, distress of nations. Are the nations getting distressed, Shannon? 
What do you think? Boy, they sure are. In, in fact, uh, if people can't see that with what's been happening in the last week or so, I mean, it's like a uh, a chain reaction. People are rising up, wanting to overthrow these um, potentates that have been in there for 30, 40 years. Well, and that's just and the beginning, you know? Yeah, it is just the beginning. And there's no solution, you know. That word for distress means anxiety, anguish of nations, with perplexity, you know, quandary. They know there is no solution to the economic problems facing the world. There's no solution to the bankruptcy of the nations. There's no solution to the crisis of peak oil, which is a crisis of inexpensive oil. Yes, there's lots of very expensive oil to produce. At $200 a barrel, we can produce a lot of oil that we can't afford to produce at $80 a barrel. The problem is the world economy doesn't function at $200 oil. You know, and, oh, sure, we've got plenty of shale oil, but we just don't have any fresh water to turn into steam, and we don't have really the natural gas to burn the, to make the steam, to create the shale oil. So, you know, it's perplexity of nations. And the waves, the sea, which represents humanity, the people, and the waves, you know, the different movements, you know, the sea is the sea of humanity, and the waves are the movements of the people. You've got the Tea Party movement. You've got the Islamic movement. You've got the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, thinking they somehow matter. And all the foolishness of mankind roaring, crying out, making loud noises, but they're not going to change anything. Men's hearts failing them being breathed out. They have no breath for fear because of the alarm. The ex- exceeding terror is the word. Exceedingly fearful terror for the things that are coming upon the earth. You know, the Benjamin, declare. the heavens do declare it. And while we're doing this word study, folks, I'm a little bit slow tonight, but I wanted to throw this in. I know you are what, writing notes out there, folks. Uh, Matthew... 16, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desiring him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and low ring. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the heavens? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after sign, and there shall be no sign given it unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. But um, there were signs right there in the skies. Yes, there were. And they knew how to read them. They knew that uh, you see a, a change in the color of the sky, then there's going to be, you know, fair or or, or, or tempestuous coming, you know? And so that's really the background to say, brothers and sisters, there are signs in the heavens that are declaring what is about to happen on the earth. And we're going to look at those signs now. And as a background to this, um, about a week ago, I had a dream. And it was a very short dream. And it ended as I was waking up. And, you know, that transition period while you're you're beginning to awaken... Many times, 
a dream will just sort of fade and you'll forget it. And as you wake up, you you might remember, well, I, I, I know I dreamt something, but it, you know, very quickly it just kind of passes away from you. That's why it's sometimes important to write down your dreams because you'll forget them somewhat quickly. And sometimes these dreams are really important, you know, and you need to, like, pay attention. Well, this morning... Amen. As I'm waking up and and this dream is just fading out of memory, I think, no, this is important. I've got to remember this dream. Concentrate. So I really focused hard as I was coming to awakening. And then I remembered I was standing watching or looking at two pictures, like paintings, on the wall. And... I didn't recall seeing the paintings, just that I was observing these two pictures. And then it occurred to me, these were the pictures of the next two new moons. And I was supposed to go look at the new moons. It was the pictures or the portraits or the paintings in the heavens around the next two new moons. And so I did. Um, And I've got the computer software... Um, I've actually got a program um, called Starry Night, and for those of you that are um, interested, it's Starry Night Pro Plus, and it's a software program where you can look at the heavens, and you can look at everything that's happening in the heavens from any location on the planet and from any date. You can go backwards in time. You can go forward in time to any time and you know pretty amazing software because it's got the rotation of all the stars and all the planets programmed and it's simply spectacular so the next new moon is on march 4th and i'm going to tell you about it um and i'm actually running my starry night program right now i gotta get to the right year i'm in 2012 let's go back to 2011 okay march 4th 2011, um, and we're going to view the sky, we're going to view the new moon from Jerusalem, since ultimately these are all signs intended for God's people. i got to tell you, these next two new moons, this was a real dream. This was not some uh, pizza dream, because these two moons are simply spectacular. Okay, we start off with um, Saturn. The planet Saturn in the loins of the constellation Virgo, which is the Virgin. That's the woman in Revelation 12, clothed with the sun, standing on the moon with the 12 stars as a crown. Brother Shannon, right now, the yes. Virgin, which really represents God's bride, it's a, and as part of the message of the gospel, you know, and as I as I said earlier, all of these constellations are part of the Lord explaining the message of the fall of man, his redemption and salvation plan, and the ultimate deliverance of his people in the stars. He wrote this into the message of these stars. Well, at the present time, Saturn is in the loins or the bowels of the people of God. And Saturn represents Satan. So, Shannon... Um, what that says to us is that the people of God need deliverance right now. Satan is in the church. 
And as I read from Psalm 74, the enemies overrun the church, and many, many believers need deliverance. They need prayer, and they need fasting. That's the first thing we observe. Um, and actually, um, on the day of the new moon, which is March 4th, which is coming up here pretty quick, that is the first of the signs to emerge above the horizon. Is the sign of um, the Virgin and Saturn in the loins of the Virgin, which really means um, the people of God need deliverance. Okay, next we get the uh, sign of Sagittarius, which is the the horseman with the bow and arrow. And let me get the, the proper. Um, We've got Pluto in Sagittarius. Now, Sagittarius represents the triumphant warrior, or otherwise known as the archer, okay? And Pluto represents Hades, or the god of the underworld, all right? Now, it's really important to understand the alignment here what you've got is Sagittarius, the, the, the archer, the conquering warrior who's coming forth to make war with the enemy. The arrow is actually pointing into the dark rift of the galaxy. All right. Now, let me try to explain. If you don't know what I mean by the dark rift, that at the very center of the galaxy there's this area known as the Dark Rift, and it's the galactic median, and it's the point, it's actually the line that we cross on the date of the end of the Mayan calendar, December 21st, 2012, okay? And that line is actually the precise plane, if you will, within which the entire Milky Way galaxy lies. The Milky Way galaxy is a huge spiral galaxy, and it's all in a plane. It's all in the same level, okay? Our solar system is not in this plane. Our solar system orbits the Milky Way galaxy, going far above, and then going through, and then far below the plane of the galaxy, all right? in a 26,000-year elliptical orbit. On December 21st, 2012, we are going to cross that galactic plane, the galactic median. That's the dark rift, what appears to be a dark rift. And right now, Pluto is in that dark rift, and the conquering horseman is pointing his arrow directly into that dark rift. And Pluto represents the underworld, Hades, Okay, and December 21st, 2012, we will cross that dark rift, and we will transition from the current astrological sign, astronomical sign of Pisces, and each of these signs represents a time period of approximately 2,000 years. Okay, Pisces is the two fish, which represents the two houses of Israel. Others would say it represents Jew and Gentile being saved. The two fish have a band, though. They're, they've got a chain tied to them, tying them together and tying them to the sea monster, which 
Turbulence Leviathan. Again, another picture of satanic bondage in the lives of God's people. That's the sign of Pisces. When we transition on 2012 and we cross the galactic median, we cross that final end date of the Mayan calendar, what is ending is the age of Pisces. What will begin is the age of Aquarius. That's the water bearer. That's the, the one who's coming to pour out the, the water, what is going to come forth. All right, setting that as a stage, um, in Aquarius, the next new moon, which is the, the last new moon of the current month, the current year, because in April we have the month of Nisan, which is the new year spiritually. Okay, so this is the the new moon in March is the last of the new moons of the current year. All right, on March fourth, in the sign of Aquarius, we have the moon, the sun, Mercury, Mars, and Neptune all together. Now the moon, and you know, brothers and sisters, I'm sharing based on my limited knowledge. I'm by no means the final authority on any of this. But I have done a fair amount of uh, study over the years, and, and so I know a little bit. And I'm going to share from my little perspective. The moon represents Israel. Okay? The sun, the world, in a sense, and also the light. But the moon clearly represents Israel. Okay? Mars is the planet that represents war. Okay. Mercury is the messenger, the message. Neptune is the god of the underworld, the god of the sea, the god that is in the sea of humanity. Okay. If the sea represents humanity, what spirit is in all of humanity? Right? The serpent. Okay. So Neptune is the god of this world that rules the sea of this world. The moon is Israel, Mars is war, and Mercury is the message, the warning. Aquarius is the water bearer, the one that is pouring out. So the symbol here is what is about to be poured out, what is about to come forth upon Israel and upon the world, those who worship the sun, those who follow the sun, what is about to come forth? There's a warning of what's coming. The warning is being poured out first, and what is going to come forth is war, okay? War is coming. The God of this present world is going to wage war against heaven and against the saints of the Most High. Okay, it's a warning of war. Then when we go over to Pisces, which is the two fish, the two houses of Israel, okay, we get Jupiter, which is the king planet, and we get Uranus, which is the planet that represents the heavens, the God of heaven. And I'm not sure the, the complete message of that, but those two planets are in Pisces. That's this month, March now let's roll forward to April 4th, which is Nissan 1, which is the uh, New Year's Day on the spiritual calendar. And, um, you know, it's important to note, you know that scripture where it said we don't see our signs? Shannon, 
you know, the new moon is a precise moment in time, right? When the new moon becomes new yes. and it's completely darkened. Both times in March and in April, the new moon becomes new under the horizon. It's not visible. It's hidden. So consistent with the Lord not showing the signs to the people. The fact that even the new moon cannot be viewed from Jerusalem. It occurs below the horizon. So all of this is somewhat hidden. But this April is simply amazing. In April, we, we once again have Saturn in the Virgin. Okay, so again, confirmation that you know the church has been overrun by the wicked one and is in need of deliverance. We also have Pluto in the dark rift of the Milky Way. Then you know the nether world, Helen Hades coming forth. Okay, and it's also a warning that as we cross that galactic median at the end of 2012, Helen Hades are going to come forth. We are crossing over into the time of hell, the time of the Great Tribulation, the time of the New World Order of the Beast is coming. But on April 4th, in Aquarius, which is the water bearer, that which is being poured out on the earth, we've got Venus, which represents the woman. Now, some people call it the planet of love, but really, it'd be more accurate to call it the woman. And it can represent either woman. It can represent... The Virgin of Israel, it can represent Babylon, it can represent Jezebel. But this time it's the woman of Neptune, the god of this underworld, the god underneath the sea of humanity, the serpent of old, Leviathan. It's his bride that's being poured out, that's coming forth. Venus, Mystery Babylon, is coming forth in the sign of Aquarius, in the time of Aquarius. Remember, we enter the age of Aquarius. The 2,000-year age of Aquarius starts December 21st, 2012. As we transition out of the current age of Pisces, which we've been in since the time of Jesus, we're now going to transition into the age of Aquarius. And what's going to come forth in the age of Aquarius? Mystery Babylon is going to come forth out of the oceans. A beast is going to rise up out of the sea. In addition to Neptune and Venus, we have the dwarf planet Ceres in the sign of Aquarius. And Ceres represents the harvest. It's the planet of harvest. So the harvest is going to come forth. The harvest of the earth is going to come forth when we enter into the time of Aquarius. But right now in the time of Pisces, as we enter the, the spiritual new year, which will be the last spiritual year, in the time of Pisces, we've got, this is simply amazing, we have Uranus and Mars in conjunction. They're right next to each other, almost on top of each other. So the two signs are compounding. Mars, remember, represents war. The planet Uranus, the blue planet, represents the heavens. So, and Pisces represents the two houses of Israel, or represents the people of God, the two fish, who represent Jew and Gentile, saved in Messiah, in bondage because they got chains on them and the chains are tied to the sea monster leviathan again another picture of the struggle against sin and the battle that's taking place in the flesh in the lives of god's people you know it's not a coincidence that we're all struggling folks it's part of the redemption plan of the lord but the picture now in pisces in god's house mars war uranus in the heavens 
war in the heavens, Shannon. And there was war in heaven. And the dragon did not prevail. And the dragon was cast down along with all of his angels because he could not prevail in the war in heaven any longer. So he was cast down to the earth. That's what's coming as we transition from Pisces into Aquarius in the next 12 months or so. You know, Benjamin, uh, if I can interject, uh, many people think, you know, Satan is in hell right now. Folks, (laughs) he's no more in hell than you and I are. Uh, He's still got access to the throne room to some degree because he's the accuser of the brethren. But there is a time coming very soon where he's going to be kicked out of heaven, and he's going to know his time is short and uh, he's going to be very angry, and that's when he's going to really war against the saints of God. There's going to be a lot of blood. Uh, there's going to be a lot of martyrs, because he knows at that point in time the countdown's on, and he's going to be bound up and chained up for a thousand years. That's right. And I believe that time is fast approaching, Benjamin. Oh, well, that's what I'm trying to tell you, is the heavens are declaring that it's fast approaching. Mystery Babylon is being poured out. It's what's coming forth out of the, out of the earth, out of the sea of humanity. The final kingdom of Mystery Babylon is coming to power. At the same time, there's war in the heavens. And Mercury and the moon are also in conjunction. Mercury is hidden by the moon in Pisces next on April 4th, on New Year's Day, in the spiritual calendar. Mercury is the message. The moon is Israel. Would I be too bold if I were to say the greatest war that has ever been fought is about to be fought? And those that are listening right now are likely going to be participants in it, one way or the other. Uh, uh, yes, that would not be too bold. That would be accurate. Mercury and the moon together, what that means is the message of Israel. What's the message of Israel? The prophetic message. The words of the prophets are about to come to pass. The prophetic revelation of the day of the Lord is about to come to pass, is what this is saying. In addition, we also have the Sun and Jupiter together in Pisces. So we've got three separate groups of planets in conjunction. That's huge. Representing war in the heavens, the prophetic word of the Bible, the prophetic word of Israel about to come forth, and Jupiter, which is the king planet that represents the sovereignty of God, and the sun, the light, coming forth. God's coming forth in war. He's about to throw Satan out of heaven. He's about to bring forth his prophetic word. He's about to do so in judgment. And that judgment is going to come forth on the earth as we transition into the age of Aquarius in the next year the time period of 2012, and it's going to be manifest by the woman mystery Babylon, the final seventh kingdom of Babylon, which is the new world order of the beast coming to power. That's essentially what the heavens are declaring right now. It is a warning in the heavens that the day of the Lord is about to come to pass on the earth. That's why when I saw this, I was just blown away. You know, I've looked at the stars for, you know, for a while now, and um, now I rolled forward till next September. I got to tell you, what I'm seeing in September is that it manifests in the flesh. This March, April, there's a warning in the spirit. 
Spirit is warning this is about to come to pass on the earth. You roll forward to Rosh Hashanah, the end of September 2011, Mars moves over to Cancer, the sheepfold. War on the saints in the flesh. The heavens would be would appear to be declaring that persecution is coming forth later this year. No, let me ask you something. Go ahead. Um, I'm just a novice when it comes to the financial market, but uh, the price of silver just hit $33 an ounce. Has it ever been that high before? Well, you know, it went up to about 50 bucks back when the Hunt brothers were cornering the market back in the late 70s. But other than that, no, it's a it's a recent high. And, you know, the, the financial markets, the intelligence that's coming out of the financial markets is basically that the dollar is going to crash this summer. Uh, following an action by the Arab nations to stop accepting dollars for payment of oil. That will set in motion the next wave of financial collapse in the United States, and it will be followed by the next 9-11, which will be up to seven cities getting hit with uh, suitcases, uh, mushroom, you know, the mushroom clouds, and uh, the downtown business districts destroyed. And, you know, that'll be game over for the U.S. The U.S. economy will will completely stop. There will be no trucks running for one to two months. There will be no food deliveries. You know, martial law, the beginning of the war on the saints, the persecution of the church will come forth. The United States will disintegrate into chaos. And, 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 you know, our enemies will, of course, offer to help us so that they can keep a close eye on us as we gradually degrade our power and our ability to defend ourselves. And in the following 12 months, World War III will occur. And the United States will be attacked as a, power, as a nation destroyed and out of the ashes, because the whole current world order will disintegrate when the U.S. falls. Out of the ashes of the current world order, the new world order of the beast will rise in power and and the world will enter the new age as we cross that date December 21st 2012 and we enter the new age of Aquarius at that time we will also enter it with the new world order of the beast rising in power on the earth which means we're at the door Shannon God have mercy we're at the door yeah God have mercy is right we are in serious trouble the earth is in trouble. I was just talking to some uh, brothers even a few days ago, and they were talking about brothers' ancestors, you know, how they're going through terrible financial times. It's like they're on the backside of the desert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you can have an attack of the enemy against your finances, and you've got to uh, break the curse and so forth. But then there are just people, it's like they've been thrust on the backside of the desert, as I've said before. And uh, I know in my own personal case, I had a word given to me that God was going to prepare me so I wouldn't faint. And that always troubled me. What was coming that I might faint? But, you know, I believe a lot of people are waking up to that fact that uh, the time is late and God is trying to get them in position for what's coming so they'll be prepared and they won't be part of the great falling away that uh, the word says would come before the return of Jesus. Right. I mean, uh, folks, we're going to see Holocaust, not only in America, but around the world. 
Well, it, yeah, it's it's a. Um, they came for the Jews the first time. This time it'll be Jews, Gentiles, and those that would call themselves patriots. But you know, Satan's going to be angry. He's going to be cast down, and his fury is going to be kindled. Well, he knows he's out of time. He's got a few short years, and then it's game over for him. And that's eternity. The question then becomes, what do people do to redeem the time? Are we to hide in a cave, in a hole? No. Absolutely not. He's called us to report to the battle lines, isn't he? The greatest war that's ever going to be waged, we're going to have a part in, folks. So what are you going to do? Are you going to get in the battle, or are you going to sit on the bleachers? You know, it's interesting that the Scripture says there'd be signs in the the sun, the moon, and the stars. And in one sense, those signs are the prophetic message of the stars, which we've just touched on. Now, some people may not be able to receive what we just talked about. And and that's all right. You don't need to receive it. Um, But there's another level of the sign in the stars, Shannon. And, And I'm talking just the pure science. Absolute pure physics and the science of what is happening in the stars right now, and you know the Lord gave me the opportunity to meet a couple of uh, physicists who worked as consultants for NASA. Oh yeah, and for the United States Air Force, and these these are men who are you know some of the best and the brightest in plasma physics, and these are men who are experts on the sun. And I had the opportunity, um, I spent 10 hours with a team of uh, scientists listening and getting briefed on everything that's happening in the heavens. And this is science. This is not prophecy, it's not symbols, it's scientific data. And it's simply amazing what's going on right now. Now, it's not in the news. They're not going to tell the people um, you know, as a matter of fact, it's been blacked out. But I, I can, I can share with you just a little bit here today. Uh, first and foremost, there is evidence that our solar system has been recently experiencing powerful electromagnetic waves, along with related gravitational waves and cosmic and gamma radiation emanating from what is most likely a distant neutron star. And the scientists um, believe the neutron star is in the vicinity of the Orion galaxy. Kind of interesting that the Lord mentions Orion in the scriptures. And then now apparently there's a neutron star that's in the vicinity of Orion, and it's been emitting this radiation and the radiation from this neutron star has been affecting our solar system since all of us have been on the planet. They believe the early effects began to be witnessed around the 1940s. And at first, humanity did not know that this was a neutron star. But we began to observe some changes in the solar system. And of course, our science and our ability to measure the solar system was just kind of catching up with with what's happening out there. But today, there's a lot of scientific knowledge about what's happening in the, in the solar system, what's happening to our sun, what's happening to our Earth. And 
we'll get into some of that, but the scientists that I talk to believe that the effect, the impact of these events create, in their words, an extreme high probability of an extinction of life event occurring on our planet. In other words, they expect the majority of people on this planet to be dead within the next seven years from just the earth changes that are going to occur as a result of the scientific data being observed in what's happening in the stars wow. and in the sun and in the moon. These men are not believers. They think it's strictly coincidence that it lines up with the book of Revelation. Um, you know, they don't realize that our God is an awesome God, and he has provided us the evidence of what is now happening. Um, the, these, the events that are occurring are catastrophic, and, and we're seeing it already. Look at Christ Church. Look at Haiti. You know, the earth is being destabilized as a result of the combined effects of increasing solar radiation coupled with the gamma and cosmic radiation from this neutron star that's having profound changes not only on our planet but on every planet in the solar system, including the sun. One of the things that's happening, and this is huge, is all of these forces are affecting the sun, causing the sun to destabilize. The sun is irradiating higher and higher levels of radiation. And as a result, there's more radiation striking the Earth. But in addition, the neutron star, which is 1,300 light years away, and that may seem like a long distance you know, in terms of uh, our perception of time and space, but in terms of neutron stars, that's not very far. In terms of the universe, that's a hop, skip, and a jump, apparently. Because neutron stars emit something called gamma radiation and cosmic radiation, which is the highest and most potent form of radiation energy that exists in all of the universe. As a result, our solar system is being affected by this radiation, Shannon. It's causing our sun to heat up. It's also affecting our Earth. And one of the ways that it's affecting our Earth is it's causing a disruption in the geodynamic of our planet, causing increased earthquakes, storms, along with other related effects. And there's evidence that this has been going on and changing the planet for the last 140 years, apparently. Now, one of the things, and, and I'll bear with me, I'll, I'll try to do my best in covering some of this material, but I'm probably, it's probably going to be a little hard. You might want to have to go back and even listen to this a second time. One of the things that's been happening, our own sun has recently begun emitting gamma rays, which apparently it didn't used to emit, but now it is emitting gamma radiation. Okay, This gamma radiation from our sun, along with the gamma radiation from this distant neutron star, is coupling with the Earth. Think of it like a shock, like static electricity. It's jumping from the sun to our planet, and it's affecting the core of our Earth. This radiation is coming in through the poles, coming around the magnetic field of our Earth, and it's coupling with our planet, and it's heating up 
the core of our earth. And as a result, it is causing the magnetic field that is generated around the earth to decline. And actually, the magnetic field around our earth is actually beginning to collapse. There are huge gaps occurring in the magnetic field. Breaches. The magnetic field protects all life on Earth from the effects of solar radiation, from coronal mass ejections, which are huge explosions on the surface of the sun. And I'm reading from a confidential report. Incontrovertible data establishes the magnetic field is significantly weakening in intensity. Breaches within the magnetic field are appearing, particularly above the African continent, as well as other places. Further scientific reports rise new concerns of our solar system entering a highly energized region of space. Our own sun's irradiance has noticeably increased in the last 60 years, while the Earth's magnetic field has grown proportionately weaker. These events appear to be accelerating along with a magnetic pole shift, driving the frequency and magnitude of global climate changes now being witnessed on the planet. It gets more incredible than that. In addition to the changes in the magnetic field, a new type of lightning is occurring on the planet. Well, you didn't hear about that on the news, now did you? That's right. We have a new type of lightning, folks. This lightning, sparking at very high altitudes from 50 kilometers to 100 kilometers, has been observed beginning six years ago. This powerful new form of lightning called sprites or blue jets appears near tectonic volcanic activity in the tectonic plates. Where the Earth's magnetic field is weakening or breaches are being observed. And this type of lightning is preceded by emissions of gamma radiation emanating from the ground through the tops of thunderstorms. So gamma radiation is now coming out of the Earth. That's unheard of. That was discovered accidentally by the military satellites that are designed to watch everybody to make sure nobody starts a nuclear war. Well, one of these French satellites picked up gamma radiation coming right out of the ground. Never happened before. And apparently it's this gamma radiation that's coupling from this distant neutron star and kind of bouncing off the core of our Earth and coming right back out the tectonic plates. And then it's apparently connecting with the thunderstorms and it's causing blue jet lightning that actually, instead of going from the thunderstorm down to the ground, the blue jet lightning is going from the clouds up into space. Well, this blue jet lightning is not like normal lightning. It's actually one to two kilometers wide. Scientists actually believe that several airplanes have been blown out of the sky when hit by this stuff. Now, they're not coming out and saying, oh, that plane was knocked out of the air by a new type of lightning that blew the plane into pieces. They don't want to put this kind of stuff in the news, so they come up with some other explanation. But this new lightning is, in fact, being observed, and it's, it's simply phenomenal. I mean, you can, go, um, you can go Google this, and I think you'll find some stuff on sprites and blue jet lightning. Um, 
newly observed phenomena in thunderstorms is uh, the result of giant high-altitude discharges where intense bursts of gamma radiation are coupling with the ionosphere. Folks, this is not your grandfather's Oldsmobile anymore. The very planet is changing. Um, let me go on and and read. Now, if we connect the dots further, we may consider that these phenomena are also the result of secondary coupling effects between electric fields generated by the tectonic plates and powerful electromagnetic sources from extraterrestrial sources that are now affecting the Earth because of the weakening of the Earth's electromagnetic field itself. Um, gamma ray flashes occurring seconds before blue jets uh, blue jet or sprite lightnings have been observed all over the planet. Um, there is a collapsing of the magnetic field of the Earth. This is a scientific fact. Um, as the magnetic field weakens, bursts of radiation from the sun are going to make their way through to the surface of the planet. You know, I, I think of in the book of Revelation where it says in the an angel poured his vial on the sun and, and caused the sun to heat up, scorching the earth with fire. That's what's happening, folks. The sun is heating up for, as a result of scientific external radiation. The sun's heating up. The earth's magnetic shield is going down, and the earth is getting ready to get scorched. There's a very real possibility of a solar-based EMP event. A similar solar storm occurred during the 1850s, setting the telegraph wires on fire. There were incidents where guys were sitting in the telegraph office and the little ticker that they used exploded in flames. So much radiation came through the lines. Well, if a similar solar event were to occur today, it would disable the entire electric grid. A solar EMP. Major solar storms have already occurred in recent history, impacting millions. March of 1989, Hydro-Quebec power grid transformers melted and blew out, creating a nine-hour blackout affecting millions of Canadians. Between October 19 and uh, November 7, 2003, an electromagnetic storm reached the Earth, disrupting satellite and global communications, air travel and navigation systems, and power grids all over the world. A major EMSS event traveling at speeds of up to 5 million miles per hour would have a dramatic effect on all life cycles, including our weather patterns. The space station could be knocked out of power. Airline flights could be very hazardous. Um, modern civilization has become extremely dependent on the power grid. A massive storm could cause widespread power failures in most parts of the industrialized world, disabling most of civilization's infrastructure. No water, no sewage treatment systems, no transportation, no hospitals, no power for heating, cooling, or refrigeration, no food distribution, no medicine. Urban populations would begin to die within a few weeks. Such an event is estimated as 98% probable within the next few years due to the collapse of the Earth's protective magnetic field now being observed by scientists around the planet. Let me repeat that. This event is estimated as 98% probable. Actually, 
I think we could go to 100% probable because in the book of Revelation, it does say that the kingdom of the beast will be cast into darkness. The angel will pour out his vial and the kingdom of the beast will be cast into darkness and the people will gnaw their tongues for the pain. And, um, yeah, the fifth angel poured it. This is after the scorching. Let's go back, um, reading Revelation 16, verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial on the sun. Power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. And a fifth angel poured out his vial on the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, power failure, no air conditioning. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores. And they repented not of their deeds. I guess it's not going to work out so well for the New World Order, is it? Gnawing their tongues for pain. Given blood to drink. Amazing. But this um, this kingdom of the beast being turned to darkness, that's a widespread power failure. No power, no air conditioning, no water, and the sun heating up, and no magnetic shields on the earth. It's going to be quite a time. And this is the scientific evidence of the events of the book of Revelation. According to these scientists, these things are going to come to pass in the next few years, which you know, we kind of already knew, but it's just confirmation. There's been a 650% increase in major earthquakes in the Earth in the last 40 to 50 years. 650% because of the destabilization of the Earth, because of all this external energy. The tectonic plates are moving. The North Pole is drifting. Um... You know, it's simply incredible. It's not just the Earth, though. Shannon, this is simply amazing. Some of what's going on is just simply incredible. Um, give you a couple examples here. Let me just page in through this report here. Um, what else is going on out there? How about the moon developing an atmosphere? <laughs> wow. Yeah. The moon is developing a sodium-based atmosphere as we speak. Really? Um, yes, Yes, because of all this energy, apparently some sodium chemical process is occurring on the moon. And um, let me, I'll read you the exact uh, report. Uh, moon's extended sodium atmosphere. The Earth's moon is growing an atmosphere that is made up of a compound uh, that is referred to as natrium, uh, Na. Uh, Dr. Uh, Axe says there is a 6,000-kilometer deep layer of natrium that was not there before around the moon. Uh, the picture, I'm looking at a photograph of the moon, shows a new wide-angle coronagraphic-type imaging system uh, used to photograph the lunar eclipse, uh, detecting the lunar sodium uh, atmosphere out to 20, 20 lunar radii, approximately twice the size recorded with narrower fields of view during previous eclipses. Uh, apparently, the moon has had volcanic activities recently. <laughs> Due to what? Nobody knows. Um... All of this is the evidence of a powerful ionization event occurring consistent with the moon being impacted by huge levels of gamma and cosmic radiation. The moon is boiling over. Amazing. Isn't that incredible? So it's not uh, just a Venus, rock. It's actually uh, active, isn't it? It's, every planet in the solar system is changing. Mercury uh -huh. 
has developed a magnetic field for the first time in history in the last eight years. It was a dead planet previously. Now it's getting zapped with all this radiation. It's got a magnetic field. Uh, Venus, chemical changes occurring throughout the entire heliosphere of the planet Venus. Pluto, uh, carbon monoxide frost developing on the pole of Pluto now. Uh, Mars, um, significant changes in the magnetic field observed in the planet Mars. Uh, let's see what else we got out there. Uh, Saturn. Oh, this is interesting. Huge ionization events occurring um, in a huge... Let's see. Let me read this for you exactly. Uh, these images provided uh, by NASA 2008 show the northern polar region of Saturn uh, showing both the aurora and underlying atmosphere taken in using different wavelengths of infrared light captured by the NASA spacecraft, unlike any other planetary aurora known in our system. This is odd in revealing itself to one of the infrared instruments on the spacecraft. Uh, note, such ionization would require a powerful electromagnetic flux that has to be sustained from external sources. Please also note the interesting hexagonal giant crystal shape of the pole. Thus, regardless of the gyration effect of the planet, um, this is likely the result of powerful ionizing flux from Orion's neutron star. Uh, we talked about the solar atmosphere and the moon. Uh, so, you know, we've got all of this evidence. The world's changing. There's a reason why we're having all these earthquakes. There's a reason why the weather is going out of control. There's a reason why the Earth's ecosystem is changing. And, and the reason is external energy, and there's scientific evidence of it. But, you know, isn't it interesting? You never hear about any of this on the news, do you? I'll tell you the reason it's all happening, because the return of Jesus Christ is drawing nigh. Absolutely right. It's the <laughs> We're in the end of the day, folks. <laughs> so there's signs in the stars, both in terms of the, the prophetic message of the stars. You know, the Lord is showing us in the stars that there's war in the heavens. That the message you know, of the Hebrew prophets is about to come to pass. That the seventh yeah. kingdom of Babylon is about to rise in power. And then the scientific evidence from the stars. The world's changing, and there's scientific reasons to explain the changes. And they're not good. The, these scientists are talking about extinction of life events. You know, I, I ask these guys, well, you know, what level of population loss are you talking about? And they said, well, we don't think everyone will be dead. We think a few thousand people might survive. Here or there. You know, I kind of asked the rhetorical question, what do we do? Do we go hide in a cave? And the answer is no, folks. The ones that need to be worried are those that don't know Jesus Christ because their time is running out very quickly with which they have an opportunity to come to the Lord. But, you know, uh, I grabbed my word, and it just fell open. Over, I, opened, I want to go to Revelation, but it fell open right to where we're talking about tonight, Revelations 12, verse 7 through 12. It talks about the war against the dragon. There was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their, their place found anymore in heaven. So Satan is, uh, is cast down with his fallen angels. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, 
which accused them before our God day and night. So if you want to know where Satan is, folks, he's up there accusing us day and night. Believe me, he does, doesn't want to uh, go to hell. You know, he'll, he'll also roam the earth to and fro, but he can only be in one place at a time. He's not, not omnipresent. And it says, um, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's where I was, I was going for right there. You know, the word says, my people do exploits in these last days. And, you know, there's a great harvest out there, and there's few people that want to go to work. If there was ever a time to get in on a, a harvest to reap some souls and some reward in heaven when we step out of this body one day, there's going to be a great opportunity to do it. There's going to be a battle, all right. But it says we'll overcome him by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. What does that mean, the word of our testimony, Benjamin? Well, it's the word of our mouth, that, and that our testimony lines up with the Lord's testimony, that we've become, we don't have guile in our lips any longer. We've been purified. We don't speak from the mind of Babylon. We don't speak from the spirit of, of doubt and death and unbelief. But we speak the word of truth and faith, which means we speak as an oracle of the Lord. We confirm and we bear witness to and we proclaim the Word of God as the truth and as our truth. And that is the overcomer. You know, I'd like to read um, a little bit about the remnant, and these are just a couple excerpts from the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And um, this is about the remnant, which is really what we need to strive become part of. We need to make every effort to follow the scriptural admonitions in this hour. The holy seed shall be his. This handful of corn on top of the mountains. These are the people who come to maturity first. This small group of believers has been selected from among all the elect of God. They will be winnowed and separated from all that is chaff, and set apart from the false doctrines of the apostate church. This holy seed will bear his name and his nature. In the days ahead, they will manifest his love, for they are the praise of his glorious grace. Yes. The holy remnant shall do his will on earth, as it is done in heaven above. The holy seed shall destroy the works of the devil. It is for them that Zion travails. In sorrow and anguish they will be born, a remnant seed of the woman Israel. They shall walk in the anointing and the power of Elijah. For in their hearts the Holy Spirit of the King will dwell, and in their lives his mighty power will be revealed. The holy seed are his first fruit. A tithe from among the people given by the Father is a special gift to the Son. They shall be cleansed from all sin and guile. It is to them the bridegroom cries, Come away, my beloved. The Holy Seed. This is the remnant, but it is made up of only a few. A handful of corn on the top of the mountain. They are the Omer and the tithe from the body, the Lord's portion and his first fruit of the resurrection. We are to die to ourselves 
and press on to the mark of the high calling of God. That high calling is the full redemption of the spirit, soul, and body to be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. For I reckon that the suffering of this present hour are not worthy to be compared with the glory which is to be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. These are the first ripe grain of his field, the first fruits of the harvest. They are pure of any defilement. These will be hated and rejected by the church, and they will have all manner of evil spoken against them. They also have the favor of the Lord, and therefore the world and the compromised church will reject them. These are the Joseph company of the Lord, and the elder leadership of the church will hate them, even as Joseph was hated by his brethren. These are the weapons of the Lord. A fire is kindled in my anger, and shall burn unto the lowest of hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. If I wet my glittering sword, and my hand takes hold of judgment, I will render vengeance unto my enemies, and I will reward those that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh and that with blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenge upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and he will be merciful unto his land and to his people. The remnant will walk in the name of the Lord alone. They have been the outcast from the assembly and from the church. They have been rejected by the people. The word halted is Tulsa, and it means to limp. These who are among the remnant have been limping, for they have been wounded in the house of their friends. The word for outcast is Nadak, and it literally means those who were expelled, who were struck out, who were cast wow. down, who were inflicted, who were driven away, who were the outcast. These are the afflicted of the Lord. They are lowly ones whom the Lord has been preparing in the fire of his judgment. The word for afflicted is ra'ah, which means to break into pieces, to do evil, to do harm, to hurt, and to punish. The remnant have known many afflictions from the Lord. They are the outcasts from the church. They've been mistreated by the people. Even as Joseph was betrayed by his brethren, the remnant have been betrayed by the people of God. And the word for remnant is shariath, which means a remainder or a residual. The surviving final portion. Those who are left and who remain. The remnant shall also be given the first dominion in the kingdom. The word for dominion is mishalah, which means to rule, or the power to rule. Those who possess the sovereign authority. These are the outcasts of Israel. These are the remnant of the Most High God. And these are the saviors who shall come up upon Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau. And they shall possess the land of Edom. And through their hand the Lord will judge the nations. They are called saviors, for through their hand the Lord will bring deliverance to his people. They are described as a fire, for the presence of God shall burn within them. For upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness. And the whole, the whole house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be as a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau stubble. And it shall kindle upon them and devour them. 
and there shall not remain any in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mountains of Esau. And they of the plain of the Philistines, they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captivity of Jerusalem, which was in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come up in Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. This is the legacy of his remnant. And I'd like to just uh, read one last little thing. Man, that's powerful right there. That's uh, from the book, uh, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And um, it is powerful. You know, I, re- I read that book five times, and, and every time it shook me. You know, Benjamin, I asked the question uh, that many of us are asking. Are you want, you know, I, I asked the people in the chat room, I said, do you feel like outcast? I think that would <laughs> pretty much sum up what we, we've been feeling. Many of us, oh sure, you know, feel outcast from the you know the mainstream uh, apostasy that's going on. And then the, the next question is: Is folks, what do you want to be in these last days? Do you want to be in a weapon in the hand of the Lord? Yes. It's There's, it's time. It's time to decide what we're going to believe, and it's time to invest our time and our energy and our hearts in what we choose to believe. It's time to make the decision. I want to read just a little bit more from Amen. the book. Amen. Keep going. I think, this, I think this would be a blessing to the people. Yes. We have to hear the voice of the Lord in this present hour. If we are walking with God in heartfelt repentance, we will need no man to teach us. The church in America has stopped at the message of salvation and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and has been unwilling to follow the Lord into true sanctification and holiness. In this final hour, the way will become increasingly narrow, and only a handful will actually follow the Lord all the way to true purity of mind and soul. These are the remnant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the handful of corn that is found on top of the mountain, the holy seed which was willing to fall to the ground and die. Now shall be the time of their rising, and the comforter shall be given unto them, and that without measure. They are a very little flock, few in number and very small indeed. These are the anointed of the Lord, and he suffers no man to do them wrong. We cannot afford to get ahead of the Lord in this hour. We must wait for the anointing and for the visitation of our God. The prophets within the church no longer speak the word of the Lord, but they speak according to the deception found within their own hearts. Deceiving and being deceived, they will wax worse and worse. There remains only a short time left to repent. And then the door of grace will close and the judgment shall begin. Many people have turned from the Lord and chosen men as their covering. But the holy remnant has come out from among the false churches. And the Holy Spirit is leading each of them, setting them apart unto the Lord alone. And the Lord is beginning to gather his remnant together from the four winds. We are now entering the crucial final hour. 
We must bring every area of our lives into perfect obedience to the will of God. For the door to grace shall remain open just a little while longer, and then it shall be shut. Those who have entered in with perfect obedience, surrendering all to the Lord, shall be protected. Those who remained without shall be judged. We must be moving with the Spirit of God in this last hour if we don't wish to miss the hour of our visitation. The remnant are of a kindred spirit. They are fitly joined together by God. They speak often one to another, and the Lord hearkens to them, for they have the mind of Christ and they walk in the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ has gone before them to prepare a place for his little flock, and he will plainly show them the Father and set them free to do the Father's will. He will equip his saints to stand in the hour which lies ahead. But we must do our part and keep our hearts with all diligence. Humility is the most precious grace we may develop within our souls. The bride of the Lord Jesus Christ is adorned with grace and humility. The higher the calling and the greater the spiritual attainment and gifts, the greater the temptation to become high-minded. Humility is an ornament that can never be fashioned by self-effort. It only comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. As the bride advances into the heavenly revelation, there is a danger of becoming exalted. The beautiful grace of perfect humility is not only an ornament reflecting the glory of the Lord, but a shield against the adversary of our souls. Let us seek humility daily in prayer and fasting, for only the humble will see the day that the Son of Man is revealed within his saints. The way of the Lord Jesus Christ is the way of the cross and death to all that is of self. We stand at the threshold and will soon enter the hour of testing. Only those found fully consecrated in the Lord will be able to stand. We have no idea how strong-willed and rebellious we are. Our safety lies in humility before the Lord. We must watch every thought and bring each into captivity before the knowledge of the Lord. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. If we continue in self-will and rebellion, we will be destroyed. For the Lord is coming soon to be glorified in his saints. It is our choice whether we will be found in him when he comes. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is true. Yeah. Let me just finish the... This this is like the very last epilogue of the book. I'll just finish it. It's like one more page here. May God bless you all. I want to share a few final words with my special friends who were there to witness the early birth pain of the kingdom of God in my life. The Lord Jesus Christ blessed me mightily through his word and his spirit, through my family and my many friends. I wish to express my love and thanks to each of you for all that you have done. And of all the parables our Lord Jesus taught, the parable of the fieldstone will always remind me of the days when I walked and labored beside you. Permit me to share it in my own words. The kingdom of heaven was like a great treasure, a precious jewel of infinite value, which was hidden as a fieldstone. Throughout the years, many great men had passed over that field, yet none of them had recognized the word which had been hidden therein. One day a little servant while working in that field, found the treasure. 
he immediately ran and sold everything that he had. He purchased that field. And having bought the great treasure, which is the true word of God, he went out rejoicing and proclaiming the truth to the whole world. And all the people of the earth would soon hear the word, which had been hidden as a field stone. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of men. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those which do iniquity. And he shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me share a final prophecy which I share with my father, whom I've always loved. Behold, I will send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children back to the fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Most of all, I want to thank my beloved Lord and my dearest friend, Jesus Christ. You heard my cry, Lord, and you have rescued me. In this final hour, you have remembered your covenant with me. Though I was unfaithful to you, Lord, in your great mercy, you have remained faithful to me. I am truly the least of your saints, and in myself, I am unworthy to even speak your name, but you have clothed me with your robe of righteousness and put your word of truth in my mouth. Forever I will sing your praises on Mount Zion. Amen and amen. Baruch haba, Bashem Adonai. Brother Benjamin. And so ends the book. Awesome, huh, brother? Brother, that's awesome. You know, uh, a thought has been coming to me here recently. What is the greatest fear um, that your enemy could have that you're going to battle against? Basically one where the, their opponents are not afraid to lay down their life. You know, back during World War II, you had the kamikazes. They prepared themselves, and they would you know, fly one of their um, warbirds right into the deck of an American aircraft carrier. And you had better hope that you could shoot them out of the sky because if you you missed, they were dead set on making impact with the carrier deck and taking out as many people as they could. You know, they were ready to lay down their life for their cause, right? Of course, they were on a suicide mission. But my point here is, if you take that and apply a spiritual application to it, I think the greatest fear Satan has would be the believer in this time which says yes. Some terrible things are coming. Most of us will probably have to lay our lives down for Jesus Christ. But he's afraid of, of men and women of God that will say, you know what, I don't fear losing my life. And what I want to do is I want to be a weapon in the Lord's hands, and I want to pluck as many people out of the fire as I can. And they understand that the greatest harvest of all time is the, the days ahead. And there's going to be... Um, Great victories, great exploits done. And if you go into it and you're not worried that you might have to lose your head for Christ, that's what the enemy fears. Because, you know, the Word does say that he that seeks to save his life will lose it, but he that will lose his life for my sake will save it. 
you know, if if uh, the fear of dying has been taken away from you, there's not much more the enemy can do to you. <laughs> and you know, folks, if uh, you know, if the Lord requires you to lay down your life, as it talks about over in Revelations, it says, uh, you know, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives nor the death. Well, understand, you, the great is your reward in heaven. And you know, there were many that looked forward to this day. The prophets of old, they would have given anything to trade places with us because one of the most exciting times in history is about to unfold, even before our eyes. Like I think we said on another program, Benjamin, the, the Super Bowl of the end times is getting ready to happen, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And, you know, we've got to prepare. We've got to use the time wisely. You know, the the diligent, the wise will be diligent in this time because the days are evil and this is not time to just fritter away this is time to prepare prepare spiritually prepare mentally prepare emotionally Amen. fasting and praying is the most effective way to prepare yourself mentally spiritually emotionally yes prepare in the natural there's absolute wisdom there but that is not first and foremost preparing spiritually is first and foremost and the most effective way to prepare with the flesh to death, enter into the spirit. You got to start walking in the spirit. You're not going to do this in the flesh. You know the flesh wants to save itself. Okay, but I got news for you. God has does not have a plan to save your flesh. I guarantee it. He told you to pick up your cross. God has a plan to crucify your flesh. He actually wants you to understand and recognize that your flesh was crucified with Jesus. You're supposed to put it off, put the mind of the flesh off. Your flesh is supposed to become a servant through which your spirit man walks out the righteousness and the holiness and the perfect will of God in your life. Your flesh is nothing more than the tent and the servant through which you accomplish the will of God. It's not supposed to dominate you with its desires. So you've got to put the flesh off, and the most effective way to do that is by prayer and fasting. And, Amen. You know, I would. I don't know that there's any absolute rules because, um, but I will say this. Uh, I think the remnant are all fasting now, and you know if you're not fasting or you don't, you can't, you know, you won't. Um, you're probably not in the remnant because the remnant's a pretty small company. Hey, Benjamin. I know I'm not talking about losing your salvation. The majority of the church is going to be purified in this fire. They're going to suffer the loss of their flesh because the flesh hasn't been sanctified. The Amen. only way you're going to walk through this great tribulation is if you are sanctified. You have been made righteous in your flesh. That means the deeds of the flesh have got to be put to death, and the flesh has got to become a servant of the spirit man. Amen. That is not the condition of the vast majority of Christians today. The only way to get to that condition is through prayer and fasting. Amen. And, uh, folks, there is a promise that some will be alive to see Jesus return. Brother Shannon, I don't know if um, if I'm off the line or you dropped the line, but 
I assume our time is about up, and uh, God bless you. Thank you for letting me share today, and, and if I'm still on the air, I'll say God bless to all of our listeners, and uh, we'll see you next week. Shalom. I'm sorry about that. I uh, lost my connection. <laughs> but we're back. Um, well, folks, it looks like I lost uh, Benjamin as well. And uh, I apologize. Uh, my Skype went down. Well, it's a live program, and those things happen. But uh, what a what an awesome message tonight. And uh, if you miss this program in its entirety, it's going to be available in the archives. So I would encourage you to... Uh, Check it out. Uh, we had special guest on uh, Benjamin Brook tonight, and let's just see if I can get him back on the line to uh, to close in prayer tonight. Uh, stand by. I'm going to try to dial him up right now. Benjamin has a uh, a way I can contact him. So if um, if you've been blessed by this program tonight, and like to send him a message, forward it to me, and uh, what I'll do is uh, get it into his hands. Stand by. Let's get him back on. We've got about two minutes remaining. Hello, Shannon. Hey, Benjamin. Um, I lost my Skype. I apologize. Ah, I wonder well, what happened. I thought we ran out of time or something. Well, we've got about two minutes, so I just wanted to uh, get you back on and just say, folks, awesome program tonight. Uh, Benjamin, any parting words before we close in prayer? I would just encourage everybody, be like a, be like Daniel today. You know, if you look at Daniel, the one thing Daniel did is three times a day he made prayers and, and sacrifices of praise unto God. You know, he prayed in the morning, first thing, he prayed in the middle of the day, and he prayed at night at the end. And You know, I think we all need to dare to be like Daniel in this hour because, you know, Jesus told us in this hour, pray without ceasing. So prayer is so important, you cannot be praying enough. And fasting mixed in with your prayer is absolutely essential. And then, you know, lift up your heads, for your king is coming. Amen. And the 96 remaining, would you close in prayer, brother? I'd be happy to. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word of truth. Lord, we thank you that you have awoken us from our sleep, and that you've shared with us the secrets of your kingdom and that you're restoring the word of truth to your remnant people. And Lord, we want to be found worthy to stand with you. Lord, we want to lay our flesh down. We pray that you would give us the power by your Spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to recognize that our flesh has been crucified with you, and that we could put off the mind of the flesh and put on the mind of your Spirit. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb, Give us the power, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to break the yokes of the enemy, that we might be set free to walk with you in your perfect will, to do your will in the will of the Father. Lord Jesus, we look to you for salvation, for deliverance. We trust you, Lord. We believe in you, and we give you our lives. We lay our lives on your altar. We lay down our flesh. We repent of our rebellion and our self-will. Lord, we are willing to be made willing 
turn our hearts and we shall be turned. Bring us, Lord, into perfect obedience to your will and to your ways. We thank you, Lord, for your great salvation. We thank you for all the gifts that have come forth from your hand. We gladly receive all things, acknowledging that they have come from you. And we rejoice and we give you glory, honor, and praise, Lord, for all things are from you and through you. We ask you, Lord, for the word of truth to dwell richly in our hearts. Give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. Turn us, Lord, that we might be turned utterly unto you and that we would turn away from the wicked ways of this adulterous generation and that we could walk with you, Lord, in life and in holiness. We thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Amen. God bless you for coming on, Benjamin. We will see you next week. Yeah. Folks, uh, thank you uh, for tuning in tonight. Uh, we had Benjamin Brook on. This program will be on in MP3 archives in about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, be sure and refresh your browsers. We're going to start the next show here promptly. I'll see you all in a minute or so. God bless everyone.